Glad you could join us for episode 152 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne as we continue our analysis of James Cameron's cyberpunk thriller Dark Angel starring Jessica Alba, Michael Weatherly, and Jensen Ackles. And uh, we're winding down tonight and one more, man. I know. It's crazy. I just can't believe it, you know. It's uh, I, I, just especially since in this episode there's so much happening, and like now I'm starting to really feel the – the pathos of, you know, and the sense of loss that, uh, you know, when the show got canceled, you know, like, because really, like, I felt like, especially with this last, the episode we just watched, it's just kind of like, man, it's just like they've almost reinvented, not reinvented itself, but just like, it's like a launching off point, you know, for like all kinds of new stuff. And- well, well, yeah, I mean, they, they certainly are pushing the storyline in the right direction, and I, I think uh, the pace was good, and, and yeah, like you said, uh, it is what it is, but as you said, we're here to discuss season two, episode 20, Love Among the Runes. But before we get to that, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can record your own audio clip, send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. And before I go any further, I, I know you've been really busy. But yes. uh, Fred put up a a sci-fi poll, or, or I'm sorry, a sci-fi quiz. Thirty questions. You need to take it, dude. Okay. Is it the one? It was like the same one from last year that someone put up. No, this one's different. New one. Okay. Yeah, this one's different. And we've been posting our scores. I scored a 26 out of 30. Uh, Fred got a 27. Uh, sounds like a, he should have had a 28. He said he had a misclick, so we'll trust him on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, it's a pretty comprehensive quiz, I must say. And, okay. and, and you know, uh, to be honest, I, I did make a few calculated guesses and a few just totally closing my eyes and pointing my finger guesses. Hey, but you know, when in doubt, pick C, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and sometimes that works out. So, all right. Now, we don't really have any sci-fi news tonight. We do have some listener feedback we'll get to in a second. But I I think it's certainly worth pointing out that Michael Weatherly is coming to an end of a 13-season run as Special Agent Anthony DiNozzo on NCIS. Tonight, we're recording on Tuesday, which is what we usually do. Tonight is the second-to-last episode of the season. Next week will be his final, and, and there's still really no word on how they plan to write him out of the series. So it'll be interesting to know whether or not they, they kill him, which I suspect they will not. But 13 seasons, I'm telling yeah, you. That's, that's, that's a long time. That's a lot of work. Well, and, and in fact, I mean, he went from Dark Angel, I, I don't want to say necessarily right into, but uh, NCIS, but Dark came, Angel ended in hot on the heels of it, right? Right, exactly. So he really hasn't done a whole lot, and we'll talk uh, next week about what his next project is. But I know we have a lot of Michael Weatherly fans out there. I mean, how could we not? Sure. Well, yeah, if they are into Dark Angel, you have to think they're kind of in them, you know, Michael Weatherly. Yeah. And I mean, I know you don't watch NCIS. I don't anymore, but I was hardcore for at least you don't? 11 seasons. Nah, I just, wow. well, you know what? Uh, not to go too far off topic here because we never do that, but never uh, ever. But hey, we'll make the exception this yeah, time. Now. When Cody DePablo left the show and her character, Ziva David, was, uh, they didn't kill her off, but it, she was such a great character. The d- dynamic between 
the two, you know, her and and uh, Michael Weatherly's character. I love her replacement. I really do. But after a while, I guess I didn't love her enough and just haven't been back in a while. But I, I may make a point of watching the finale next week. Okay. So, all right. Now, listener feedback. Uh, we don't ordinarily read Facebook posts, but but there were a couple of really good ones. Before we get to those, we're, obviously, we're reaching the end of Dark Angel, and I want to just let the listeners know how much we appreciate their feedback and support. Uh, Kimmy, who has sent us emails, posted in the group. Rhea, who's regularly posted in the Facebook group with some great Dark Angel photos. Gabriella, who just seems to be everywhere at once. And our co-worker, Vicky, who regularly checks in on the Facebook group, and we'll certainly uh, do some shout-outs next time as well. But Kimmy posted twice on Facebook over the past couple weeks, and and the first one relates to episode 217, Hello, Goodbye. All right, so she says about the intro scene, the purpose was not to make another dog joke, but more of a plot device to force Joshua out of the house in order to meet Annie, and I think you mentioned that. Jose Molina said they struggle with that, considering a serious or dangerous plot, but Renee Echeverria came out with the flea joke idea. Now, she goes on and talks about the title, Hello, Goodbye, obviously uh, title of a Beatles song, and it turns out Jose Molina is a big Beatles fan. But as you said, the episode's all about connections. A lot of characters discover others and or end something. So simply put, Max says goodbye to Logan, ending their relationship to avoid the risks. Max says hello to Alec. She finally opens up to him. Alec says goodbye to Asha, asks her to go. Alex says hello to Joshua, moves in with him. Joshua says hello to Annie, they first meet. And Joshua says goodbye to Annie because he can't take the risk there. Really, I you know, I never really thought of of all of those. That's great. Yeah. Now, she also gives us some information that we suspected we'd hear from her about the renewal. At this point, hopes were high. Sure, ratings went down, but still got a big fan base. Two long-running Fox shows ended this year, X-Files and Allie McBeal. So Fox had empty spots to fill. And yes, apparently no place for both Dark Angel and Firefly. The renewal decision was even more frustrating because season three was publicly confirmed and news websites and fan sites were already celebrating until Fox revealed their final fall schedule a few days later. Mm. It was actually announced in the trades that Dark Angel had been picked up for a third season that was Wednesday of the announcement week. And on Thursday, when Fox actually announced live in New York, they announced that Dark Angel had not been picked up. And that's according to Jeff Woolnaw, who also says we actually had sort of a reason to believe we were going to be picked up for about 10 minutes. We were picked up, got picked up and then knocked off according to Charles Egley. I mean, can you just imagine? I mean, look, yeah. I, I, I know how bad the fans must have felt, but geez, to be part of the creative team yeah, uh, just right, must have yeah. been a punch in the gut. All right, so Kimmy also then had some comments about episode 219. She says, I understand your feelings about Dark Angel at this point. A couple previous episodes were more character development driven, which isn't a bad thing than mythology, but since it's a 21-episode season instead of the usual 13-episode sci-fi show, obviously the pace is different, and Dark Angel took the time to go deep and focus on other than the main plot. Thanks to that, one of the great things about Dark Angel is that you care about its characters. 
And I have to say, I really enjoyed the last half of season two and didn't find it slow. So trying to understand your point of view, I was wondering if knowing that you're getting closer to the show's ending is affecting your judgment. I, I, I certainly think it, it is with me. Yeah. I, you know, when I read that, I'm like, you know, I think she kind of nailed it on the head there. You know, it's like I said, I really liked the last episode, um, but, you know, like kind of like our like the feelings of angst we might be getting here because the storylines aren't progressing or whatever is, yeah, clearly from that we can see the end line. We know that that there are no more, so we, we're hoping to get as much resolution as we can in what little time we have left. But, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. If, you're, if we were watching this back in 02, yeah, we were probably thinking, man, like, like just as watching last time, like, wow, there's like so much going on. They can really go anywhere with this. I like the way, the direction the show's going. I think this is great. And then boom, you know. Yeah. And I, so it's kind of like delayed reaction for us to of uh, being upset at the cancellation that happened uh, 14 years ago. Yeah, because I, I'm sure Kimmy and Gabby and, and Rhea and, and Vicky are just sitting there thinking, like, you guys are deluding yourselves. <laughs> you're not going to get the resolution you're hoping right. for. Exactly. All right, well, she goes on and says, because watching the show, I just remember how being excited and enjoying every bit of information. I was on the edge wondering what would happen next and how things were going to turn out and seeing what season three would look like. Of course, if I knew at the time those were the very last episodes, I think I would share a similar feeling as you and have a different approach like wanting more answers and starting to see a closer and not an opening for next season. About Lidecker, sorry, can't really talk about him to stay completely spoiler-free, but as a reminder, last episode you saw him was episode 203 where he was chased and his car pushed off the road. Then in episode 209, Logan mentioned the car accident and since no body was found, Max thinks he probably survived, but nothing's for sure. Dark Angel inspired other shows and films in many ways, but it's often not acknowledged. And talking about clones and Orphan Black, there was a little confusion. Clones are not sterile. That's in Orphan Black, except Sarah and Helena, as you mentioned. However, in episode 114, Dr. Virtus said that most of the male X5s take contraceptive pills, as well as some female X5s, but since Max blew up the lab, Manticore started the breeding program. Now, as for the shooting in Logan's place, I get that the logic would be to search the apartment and the hardware, yes, but that's something old Lydecker would do since he was hunting transgenics. I'm not surprised White wrecked the place. I'm almost expected this from him because he's here to destroy. His goal is to exterminate, and his methods illustrate his irrational hate towards transgenics. So some outstanding points you know and, and it's it's funny when you get like something that kind of like shows you like you kind of like changes around your point of view a little bit but uh but yeah because you know it's just i hadn't even thought really about how i'm like you know like our mindset is approaching this being able to understand that the the, the end and, and knowing that the end is coming how that's affecting how we're watching it you know like and, you know, we try to be completely, like, watching as if we're – because, I mean, we are watching it for the first time, but not as it's shown for the first time. So it's just uh, – yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, and I wonder if – Good sh- feedback. I, I wonder if showrunners are more aware now of having a season ending that could also function as a series ending, if need be, if they know their show's sort of on the bubble, as opposed to back in 2002 with Dark Angel. Yeah. 
But well, anyway, speaking of Dark Angel, let's get into this episode. Season two, episode 20, Love Among the Runes, written by Jose Molina and Moira Curlin Decker, directed by James Whitmore Jr., who did two episodes of Dark Angel, including episode 120, Hit a Sister Back, which was the Tinga episode. Uh, he also did five episodes of Buffy, 20 of NCIS, ironically enough, 15 of Quantum Leap, and even one of Person of Interest. He's definitely working a lot. And this one aired April 26, 2002. All right, now, just a couple of thoughts before we get started. I think I mentioned this to you a few days ago, but what happened to Max going into heat three times a year? <laughs> you won another one of those uh, episodes, huh? Well, I'm just wondering, you know, I mean. I, yeah, I, 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 well, I mean, on a practical standpoint, I imagine they were just like, mm, you know, it was, it was a good one-off and it was like funny, but. Uh, like to kind of go back to that, I think they probably just like, yeah, we don't want to go back to that. But but you're right, that is a thing, right? Oh, and and I wonder if her, you know, the assumption is her hookups appear off screen. But I mean, since the relationship she has with Logan, I I just wonder, you know, again, maybe that's something that that would have been dealt with in season three. Who knows? All right, this to me was kind of a Logan light episode. He didn't really appear in it very much, although uh, other than in, I don't know what to call it. I was going to call it Skype, but obviously this is about 10 years before Skype video conferencing, I guess. Yeah. Well, I put down Skype too, because it's just like Skype. Right? And I was like, you know what? They definitely did not have Skype back then, but you know, it's pretty anyway. prescient. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing that, that, really hit me hard with you know the whole that speech at the end with the senator or congressman or whatever you that the government understands the fear and anger of the public regarding the transgenics i'm thinking like well hell you're the ones that started the damn program in the first place and then and then of course we know that it's all just a show because he's working with white and you know the breeding cult but really i think what struck me as the saddest plot point of all in this episode is that joshua has now resorted to violent retaliation and on the one hand how can you blame him sure i mean i feel sad that alec feels the need to do that but joshua it just shows you how bad it's really getting there yeah well but that retaliation was like that need to be done it, know, it like did was, i agree was, i think there's no question that that that, that was i mean I'm not encouraging vigilantism, but you you get a sense of justice from that. Well, no, and uh, you know, sorry if I'm spoiling this for anyone, but clearly the writers and showrunners of Game of Thrones did not listen to our episode of When is Dead Dead. But uh, again, the hanging scene in the most recent episode, it's like, yeah, you guys deserve I don't care that you're a little kid there on the end. You stuck a knife in his heart. Right, right. Yeah, and it's still hard to, you know, it's still... And I think that's why, okay, again, spoilers, so like, I guess we've already kind of done it, but I think it's part of why he leaves, right? And he says, my watch has ended, because it's just like that, just even though you know, the kid totally deserved it, um, he was still a kid, and to see him, it just was, you know, that's a lot for him to take. Yeah, but he had to do it, just again, like, sure. like you said, it, it, Joshua had to do it, and, 
and we can understand Alec. I mean, he's done that before. He he was he was bred to do that, and and I think it was really painful for him to do it because again, I think he's undergone as much of a transformation as anybody. I mean, he's really sure. comes across as being noble now. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll talk about those scenes with Logan and Max later on, but. Uh, you know, we have a cold open. The breeding cult is conducting a snake ceremony, and it looks like just some random alley. But I think on my rewatch, it is an alley, but it's obviously right next to wherever his brother is being held. So maybe right. it's not, you know. So is that like purposeful, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I guess so. And it's being observed by a mental institution inmate who successfully saws through the bars, escapes. All right. If we were doing our really, he gra- yeah. he grabs a spare robe out of a box. Yeah. Well, and then grabs like just grabs a snake and. Uh, okay, but look, I don't look. Every cult that I've been in, you brought your own robe. <laughs> right. I mean, they didn't have a box of them there that you'd go up well, and grab. Well, you know, there's always the slacker who shows up. Like, oh, dude, is it robe night? Son of a. Yeah. But it also looks though like white is off to the side, still wearing his traditional suit and tie, but observing the ceremony. And then I love his comment to Otto, his partner. Is it just me or was this job more fun when we were hunting transgenics on our own? And I don't just you, Ames. You're right. It was more fun back then. uh, Yeah. Now was that a meteor shower going on? I don't know, but yeah, because at the end he, you know, that's like, Ames looks out the window and you see the meteor shower or the, you know, shooting stars or whatever. Right. So, Uh, so all of this couldn't have taken place in one night. Now, granted, some meteor showers do occur over several nights. So maybe that's it, but he does mention the whole once a year thing. And so is the ceremony somehow tied into the meteor shower? I guess so. I mean, I guess, I mean, we do find out and again, maybe it was hyperbole, but I don't think so that, that this has been going on for 5,000 years, you know, the, the, the breeding cult thing. Right. So, all right, well, right off the bat, we're thrown for a loop. Max and Joshua are working with the terminal city transgenics. And, and of course, at this point, we're not sure, what their intentions are, but then we see they've got a Logan-like setup mm-hmm. monitoring police activity. And, and I really love this scene. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, you, and you like what? Because I guess the initial impression of Terminal City was that it was kind of like a dump, right? Or like that the stereotype that Max held from the previous episode. But uh, they got some pretty they're pretty well organized actually well in fact uh the one guy and i forget his name i'm sure i've got it in my notes somewhere he does say well you know you you uh ordinaries threw a lot of stuff away when you when you left town so there's a lot of good stuff out there we just got to scavenge it but the other thing that i kind of have come to terms with i know i've mentioned it many times during the course of these podcasts is the condition of the city in which they live and and I guess I just have to accept the fact that we're looking at that one slice of life, right? That this is not the suburbs. Okay, this is that gritty underbelly of the city that houses not only uh, people like Max and Alec and Joshua that are trying to hide and fly under the radar, but just basically the other people that are just you know scrambling to make it on a day to day existence. So uh, I don't know why it took me so long to to accept that. 
I don't know, especially like when we first you know introduced it back when we started season one to talk about how it's a cyberpunk series. And so, you know, it must needs have this gritty kind of dystopian feel to it, right? Yeah, sure, sure. So while they're there, they overhear that the police are pursuing a transgenic. She calls Alec before going for help. And of course, he comes right away. But again, it was kind of a, a, a cool story that, that he's trading what seemed to be Manticore stories with another Jamponi rider who he tells to come with him. And, and of course, we later find out that, that what Alec and Max are doing is, in fact, I think she calls it the transgenic underground, right. that bringing them in to give them jobs and, again, continue to fly under the radar. But I think the big point is they're able to get them sector passes. Right, because we see once again, you have that jam pony access pass that gets you absolutely everywhere. Yeah, so I think they said they had to go pick up something at the hospital, and it apparently takes three of them on motorcycles. But they arrive in the nick of time, knock out the police, and it was also pretty cool because of the first scene. I, I, I think it was Alec. Uh, he's got the pole and is almost like a jousting event. I thought he was going to, yeah, I thought he was going to like spear someone. I thought he was going to impale someone. Yeah. He just hit him with it. Like, why have a pole with a pointy end if you're not going to like, you know? Yeah, but it was even better. And then at the very end, Alec pulls out his gun and he just shoots the tires out. And perfect. So they get this guy back to turn. But did you hear the song that was playing? No. Well, I did, but I don't remember it. It was like the music from the opening credits, the Chuck D song. Yeah. Okay, but so, it was like with with like lyrics and everything. Now it was pretty awesome. Uh, okay, yeah. I so mean, I don't the, know what the name of that song is. If some, I know, I, I guess it could be very easily find out. Yeah, what it is. Yeah. But it's cool. It's a good action sequence on the motorcycles and everything. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. Now you know one thing that did strike me about this scene though is that it seemed as if White had a clear shot at Max while she had the transgenic on her bike. And I'm wondering, did he not take it because it was Max, or was there another reason he didn't take it? So, I mean, we don't find the answer out to that. Although maybe right. we do when we get to the end and we find out that there's something about Max that's really special. And, of course, as you mentioned and alluded to earlier, they've really set up some cool possibilities for season three, and certainly that's one of them that, you know, okay, what's so special about her? Right. Because, I mean, they're all special. They're, they're the, you know, the X-5s, but there's something other than that. Sure. Yeah, right. All right. So we get back. It's like this kind of chosen one thing going on. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and you know what? I love that kind of storyline. Sure. All right. So we're back at Jam Pony. Normal's readying his anti-transgenic flyers. And it's clear that Max and Alec have brought several of their brothers and sisters aboard. And then I love Normal's line, don't be afraid to rat out your friends and neighbors. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I like the name of his organization, the Coalition for a Transgenic Free Seattle. Yeah. I was trying to figure out if that would actually spell anything out, but I don't know. Yeah, CTFS? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so. All right, well, in a cool twist, Logan has moved into Joshua's and is in communication with the transgenics at Terminal City, which, I again, I, I really loved how Logan's brought back into the fold and and that you know there is that line of communication though uh, apparently it it hasn't been with max because i think joshua you know later hey uh, max logan's on tv and we're wondering okay well what's that all about 
But what he actually meant was the video conferencing. One of the things, I, again, that I liked in this scene that, that we see the freaks working and trusting the exes. Everybody's working together. They're working with Logan, a.k.a. an ordinary. And there's hope, Mole tells Logan, that he'll be able to get the parts that, that eyes only will need to get back on the air. So, And I guess as Logan says, it's not so much getting back on the air that's hard. It's not getting traced. Right. Uh, obviously well yeah I, I mean now did he take things too for granted as we said last week that they just simply used now i say simply used but i guess i always figured triangulation isn't all that difficult is it i mean I, I, well it's just how to get the coordinates to triangulate and i just imagine that that white got better software you know that Logan couldn't keep up with the upgrades. I assume. I don't know. Yeah, or just I guess Logan never had anybody that was using that sophisticated. I don't know. Again, it yeah, doesn't no. seem. I mean, I'm not a communications expert, nor do I play one on TV. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, well, certainly it seemed like Logan was pretty complacent about his security system for eyes only. So I remember he had said something earlier that about how he has his un- oh well every time he gets on right he he says i have don't bother tracking it right right it's going to be 60 seconds and that's yeah. it and yeah so that's just a statement of hubris right there you're looking to get knocked down a peg right by saying stuff like that yeah yeah now the place is humming with activity they're working on the the motorcycles logan and max have that brief skype chat that i mentioned uh, and then we cut to a scene where max and alec are scavenging for computer parts and Alec wonders why Logan asked about him. Suddenly he finds a snake in a storage container and, and, and we find uh, out crazy dude. it is right. As yeah. the crazy guys hiding in the next room. Yeah. Right. CJ. See, we don't know that yet. We don't CJ. know that yet. Right. Otto shows white that the thermal imaging gear they have can detect X's in a crowd because they have a higher core body temperature. I think it's 101.8. You know, so we see that in action, and of course, I like that. Uh, we got a hit. We got nah. It's just some old lady it's with some little fever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, White gets a call, and and we we find out that he's escaped last night during the ceremony, and we hear the well, he knows too much, and and we're wondering, okay, what is this all about? And it, of course, it is the crazy guy that turns out to be CJ, and we're wondering, well, okay, if it's that big a deal, why don't you just kill him? Well, of course, we eventually find out why again i love the editing in this episode i think they did in terms of the pacing i I thought it was really not too quick just perfect because then they cut into i think was my favorite scene in in the show in terms of the humorous scenes because we're back at terminal city and there's the three transgenics that are trading gulf war stories right and trying to one-up each other and, you know, it's like, well, we, you know, we it was 117 in the desert and we went 60 clicks in a night. Wow, it was 30 below and we went, you know, 60 clicks in six hours or whatever. And, yeah. uh, well, I was just bred to dig ditches, so. Yeah. Well, and the one guy says, you know, that he's like, he actually um, helped take out Saddam. Yeah, yeah. The one guy said, that was pretty wild. Yeah, because you figured. That, uh, obviously, the attitude towards transgenics was a little bit different back in the 90s i guess yeah yeah no question all right so max and alec acknowledge they've got to get the gear to logan or the aughts i should say right right the 90s 
but he offers and she resists despite the fact that she's the one that brings up the virus. And then finally she's forced to admit the truth that she lied to Logan about her and Alec being together. And I really felt for him because, you know, he says that great, you know, you pick me just reinforces that I'm the kind of guy that would steal someone else's girl. And I don't think she gets that. Right. No, because she still sees him as the kind of old Alec. She doesn't, I don't know if she's unaware that he's changed. I think she's aware that he is different before. But on the other hand, she still treats him much the same way with the same amount of contempt that she did before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and he's different. And, like, he really is hurt that, that she would use him as a, the excuse, you know, and that he has to be the bad guy. Yeah. And it's understandable. But on the other hand, we kind of see her point as well. I mean, I guess she could have just picked some random guy, you know, you know, sort of like the uh, Brady Bunch, the Jan's imaginary girl, uh, imaginary boyfriend. Right. You don't. You didn't see it. Classic. I. I. I did. Okay. All right. You didn't act like you did. I. I, I vaguely remember that. One. <laughs> okay. But man, yeah, like that was all in the Brady Bunch when I was a kid. All right. So eventually, he's enough conversation. He grabs the bag and leaves, and at Logan's. We see him still wearing the braces, but obviously he's got additional powers with the right. with the braces because, as he even says to Alec, that he doesn't need to wear them. And Alec's like, oh, they give you extra powers, just really nonchalant. But then Alec tries to explain about Max, and Logan won't give him a chance to tell the truth. And, you know, we kind of feel bad because Logan tells Alec that he always felt things would work out between them. And, and I'm wondering why Alec leaves without explaining because, yeah, I mean, he it, could it, have. Exactly. And this is where, like, TV and real life diverge, right? Because clearly, if, if pretty much anyone else, he would have stuck around and said, dude, listen, you got it all wrong. But on the other hand, I think he, by talking to Logan, I think he just kind of starts to understand why 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 Bax wants to keep her distance, you know, like the, and that she's trying to help him, trying to save him. And so I guess he, from, from what Logan says, I, I, I just assume, because he doesn't say anything about it, but I think he, I assume that he kind of decides to respect uh, Max's wishes and, and maintain his image as the bad boy. Yeah. And I, but, but I think he also kind of says to Max towards the end that, you know, Alec is letting her go and I just wonder if he felt that it would just muck things up too much to, you know, say, okay, Max lied to you. All right, so now Logan's got to deal with that. Okay, she doesn't want to be with me and she's lying to me. And and, and so yeah, I, I don't think it's there's an easy answer. I think no. he made that decision just to not say anything for what he perceived to be a, a, a noble reason. Yeah, agreed. So, okay. All right, so... Next scene, we're at Crash. Alec tells Max that he didn't say anything. Logan just wants her to be happy. And, you know, like, like I said, I, I think that makes some sense. And then he's like, don't start crying on me because he yeah. said I had to take care of you. <laughs> and then they both notice something on her wrist, which looks like tattooed letters or something. And it turns out right. to be Minoan, which apparently nobody speaks these days. In, uh, yeah, it's difficult to translate. Uh, in 2020. All right. So we're Skyping with Logan again who's trying to make sense of what he's seeing. But, but again, he, he, well, it looks like it's Minoan, but apparently 
only part of the language has been deciphered, so we don't have the whole alphabet. But uh, you know, again, we don't know what what it is. You know, what triggered its appearance. Either way, it's kind of cool. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do we do we not know like what? I don't think we I learn. Think, I, I mean, Max says something. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I drank. I drank a bottle of. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tattoos like the, like, are us or something. Oh, shouldn't I well, have? Well, was it the uh, maybe like a kind of delayed effect from the the stuff when she was like in the the breeding program, right? Well, I guess it Didn't could they have been inject her with like she was supposed to die, right? Yeah, like they inject her with something. She, I don't know. Yeah, but but even later on, when White has her and he rips her shirt open, you know, to look at them. Uh, you know, it's like, ah, it's all this crap about the meek will inherit the earth. The meek will never inherit the earth. Yeah, I don't, it, it was almost as if he wasn't surprised by it. Yeah, so, but he seems really angry. Though. Well, oh, yeah, angry, but but that, you know, like you mentioned, you know, maybe it did have something to do with what they uh, injected into her. Well, Alex Jampony partner Biggs gets made by White's guys using the thermal tech and he, he gets away but by the time Max and Alec find him, he's been strung up dead upside down, which really caught me off guard. I, I, yeah, I expected was... them to get there, find him hanging upside down, but... And then he's okay. And right? then it was okay. Yeah. And appears they were nope. going to burn him. And then Dark angel, when you're dead, you're dead. Well, yeah. And then, you know, somebody saying, that ought to teach those freaks a lesson. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's just really... It's getting intense in this show, and just, I mean, the hate. Uh. Right. Well, it, it, we have seen these signs of xenophobia and, and hate that have, and obviously that's a big part. And the people, I remember when we started um, doing Dark Angel, uh, you know, people were writing to us about that and everything. And, and here we are, we're seeing it. This is what happens when people are scared. You know, they, they have the other. And if you are of the other, then you know, you're going to, it's like any action is justified there. Um, this is true in you know 1939 Germany as it is here in, in this show. Yeah, and and again, it was really interesting to hear Joshua say that line that we've heard him say a number of times, and, and I think we kind of overlook it because he said it in less meaningful situations. But people are afraid of what they don't understand, and he's telling it to the other transgenics, the AK, you know, also known as freaks. Almost as if it's something they didn't know, but right, and you know, but that's almost like you know, when you say just people are afraid by what they don't understand. But you know, it's just like, I mean, there's no justification here, right? I mean, it's just taking another person. Like, I mean, the transgenics are still people, right? They still think, they still talk, they still breathe. They're sentient, and to just beat them to death like that, you know, it's just. The, the the complete lack of humanity and the complete indifference, right? That uh, this is what Elie Wiesel talks about a lot, right? Yeah, that peril peril can, of indifference, right? That you look at another person and you don't see them as a person, but as a thing, and so who cares, right? Who cares if we beat on them? It doesn't matter, right? And that's uh, that's where we that's where we lose our humanity, right there. Yeah, and I just think it it is owing to Joshua's naive nature at, at that point that that he. Not, not that he believes that, because of course he does believe it, but he, I don't think he just sees it as deeply as, as you know the way you just explained it. I mean, he right. certainly comes to, but CSG, crazy snake guy, <laughs> infiltrates Terminal City posing as an X-5. All right, now, re- really? 
Does anybody really, yeah. seriously think he's Manticore? <sighs> Does anybody not? Well, he, he had some nice karate moves there. Uh, okay. Did <laughs> anybody think to just look for his barcode? <laughs> well, he did. Remember? Did, did he? Did he? Uh, he oh, had, he uh, put one on there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Another character that's really come a long way, and and I, I think I acknowledged this in a, in a previous podcast. Sketchy. You know, because mm-hmm. now in this episode, he's really reached a character crossroads. You know, White's men come to question normal about the Jamponi ID that they found on the dead transgenic. And the next thing you know, we've got that scene where Cindy's stealing the personnel files of, of Max and Alec. Sketch confronts her about what she's doing. You know, why she's got Max and Alec's files. Well, why do you think? And the look on his face. And now we know, okay, dude. You've got a decision to make because everything we've seen out of you up to here is that you're going to side with normal, but this is Max, right? This is Alec. And again, I love the fact that they made us wait to see what Alec would, uh, to see what sketchy would do. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, it's kind of jumping ahead there, but you know, that, that, that line, you know, she was made in the lab, but she's the best person, you know, and then he says, you know, you're right, she is. I mean, that was really, that was a pretty touching scene there, you know, like. Yeah, and it's easy to say that it shouldn't have taken Cindy to say that, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, you know, like, Sketchy's not necessarily the deepest thinker on the show, though, either, right? No, but when he's faced with arguably the biggest decision of his life, he does the right thing. Sure. And, and you wonder, what would Normal have done? Uh, well, normal would not, I don't think, would be so uh, open-minded. Okay, and, and you're probably right, but I wonder. So Max tracks down the snake guy who tells her enough to make us think that he's Sandeman's son, for real. He knows all about the breeding cult. Apparently, that's why his father, Sandeman, left the program. And, you know, at, at this point, we realize, okay, Sandeman was involved with the breeding cult, but apparently they had a falling out over ethics i assume and of course as they say well that would make sandeman a good guy which joshua believes all along but we're still you know kind of not sure right well right but what we find out though is that sandeman didn't believe cj would survive the snake initiation right Uh, apparently white went through it Mm mm-hmm Sandeman wanted to improve genetics with science, which obviously is in direct contrast to what the breeding cult wants to do. And, and apparently that was the, the falling out. And Max then wants to know if Sandeman is alive. We're led to believe he is, which obviously could solve the whole virus problem. And that's probably what they intended early in season three, I would think. You know, still got another episode to go, Dave. So that, that that's true. But, she asks CJ whether or not he can set up a meeting with Sandeman and he was a lot slicker than I think any of us gave him credit for, you know, I'm not sure if I actually thought he was going to set up a meet with Sandeman, but I certainly didn't expect that he was going to double cross her and, and, you know, give her over to white. Turns out it's not Sandeman's son, but white's, brother who leads max into the trap 
And I'm thinking like, okay, whoa, wait a minute. Was not, CG was part of that, though. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. But then I'm thinking like, okay, whoa, wait a minute. Does that mean White's Sandman's son also? Right. I'm like, oh, I, again, I love that was That was a blast. Yes, I, I like, love whoa. how that unfolded. And, yeah. you know, then in a callback to the lynched transgenic, she, he's got Max restrained, hands in the air, uh, you know, as White's examining the writings, which are on her chest also. And, and, you know, he utters that thing about, you know, his father betraying the cause. Breeding cult's been going for 5,000 years. And then, as we mentioned, apparently Max is special. She's the one he used to talk about, CJ says to White. Right. But before I kill you, Max, what about my son? <laughs> and then and then maybe you can make sense of it. Out of nowhere, CJ tasers White. And releases Max, and I'm thinking, like, okay, why did I miss something? Yeah, CJ, he's just—I can't remember what White said to him. I think he said something like kind of dismissive to him. And you know, CJ has definitely got like some hero worship going for his older brother. There was something that happened there. I think like White said something. Um, I, I, I don't know, but but you know, like I, I think just like in in and of himself, CJ's just so like unpredictable right you just don't know like the one scene he's gonna help max and then the next scene he's like betrayed her and he's led her into a trap and then the next thing he's releasing her and freeing her by tasting white and it's just like he's all over the place you know right and next thing uh max and cj grab the prison transfer vehicle and, and at the end he shields max yeah. forcing white to shoot his own brother we, we assume sacrificing himself but it turns out that uh, it was just a flesh wound just, yep. just a scratch and he is still alive back in his cell and then you know that that uh you know we we cut to that scene that you mentioned when when cindy asks sketch are you going to believe what you hear on tv or what's in your heart which obviously just crystallizes the whole issue but you know we we get everything brought into focus sandeman tried to leave the cult Logan finds out that whatever Sandeman was trying to say via the writings made it sound like Max tells him that I was the second coming out to foil his evil plans. So now we're confused because it sounds like Sandeman thinks Max is going to bring him down. And ironically, Max has got to find him to help her if that's in fact right. what, what they meant. Yeah, it's crazy. But then... Logan sees Alec in the background because they're talking via Skype again. And he tells Max, go back to your party. And we think, okay, she's going to tell him the truth here. No, nope. but no, it's just so tragic watching these two. Yeah. And, but I think I feel more for Alec getting caught in the middle while, yeah. while Logan operates under this false impression of him. Because yeah. uh, again, I think there's a lot of mutual respect between the two of them. Yeah, and especially with Alec, especially, I mean, he realizes that he's changed and he's grown and like still like Max and Logan still treat him like he's some kind of, like some kind of dirt ball, you know? Yeah. And that's just really, really a shame. All right. So we get to the closing scene, you know, White says, I'll find her now that I know what she is. I have to. Okay. What is she? So obviously there's another yeah. uh, point left hanging that that's it's someone very important, obviously. Obviously CJ's alive, restrained, presumably in the same cell, and we're left to wonder, okay, 
what is she? Because it's obviously something far more than a Manticore X5. So I thought a really, really good episode. I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't find any reason to grade it below an A. Yeah, I'd say solid, solid A. You know, there are a couple really reallys in there, but not enough to really distract me from the the, the story itself. And again, one of those times where it's, uh, you know, it's done and you're like, whoa, is it done already? Wow, it's crazy. Yeah. And That's always a sign of a good episode. It, it is. And as I've said many times for me with uh, undiagnosed ADD, <laughs> or, <laughs> where I have a hard time, you know, sitting for long stretches watching things without getting up and walking around. Uh, sure. Yeah. This was certainly one that, uh, oh, it's over already. All right. Anything uh, we're forgetting that you want to throw out there? Uh, oh, just the one thing, because I, I was talking to you this morning, and I was like, "Who that guy, the, the Biggs character, I was trying to remember if we had seen him before, and as it turns out, we hadn't. This was just, which kind of brings up what I like about Dark Angel, is that they really jump into the middle of things, right? Like, Biggs is just there, and he's obviously been there a while, so much that I'm almost like, okay, when have I seen this guy before? But we haven't. But they just throw you into the story like that, and you just kind of get catch yourself up as it goes. Right, and you wonder, was he part of uh, Alex's unit back at Manicor, and they've known each other for a while and, and just somehow reconnected? And you wonder how many transgenics they actually do have working at Jampony. Obviously, there's a female that, that Cindy notices. Right. So anyway, well... As we said, great episode. It's uh, bittersweet coming to the end. Yeah, I know. Just one more. Yeah, what, what can you say? You know, like we're almost like I guess, especially hearing what you said at the beginning about what uh, Fox put everyone through to be able to enjoy the show and not have to emotionally go through all that, thinking it's going to be you know, renewed and then having it pulled out from under you at the last minute. You know, we don't have to experience that. Well, so we can just enjoy the show as it is. But there is certainly, as I said before, this kind of sense of, you know, loss that, wow, you know, just like at the end of Firefly, we're always just like, man, what, where, what else could they have done with this? They could have gone so many places with this. And Yeah, but see, they at least got a movie to wrap things up. Sure, sure. Well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel or anything else you think we should be watching like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week when we look at the dark angel series finale, season two, episode 21 titled freak nation. But until then, you know, it was really wild to see. They actually included like uh, what I say to my kids every night when I'm, tuck them in the bed and it's this uh, the meek will not inherit the earth the strong will take what they want and crush the meek <laughs>